My wife and I were engaged. We'd be married the following year. So I was invited to Christmas as part of the family. And I noticed that there were some different things about a Shumsky family Christmas and a Snyder family Christmas. And the one thing that stuck out to me the most was that before any presents were opened, the Christmas story had to be told. Now, I'd never seen this before. But my soon-to-be mother-in-law had memorized the story from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And so she would speak it from memory. And we couldn't touch the presents until she told this story. Now, she's been telling the story for the last 30 years. And it's still it's the same routine. Dinner, story, and then presents. And nothing was going to change it. And this story has not changed for the last 30 years. In fact, folks... Uh, the story of the birth of Christ has not changed for thousands of years. Now, why is this consistency so important? Well, because over the years, um, people have changed Christmas up just a little bit. Uh, they've developed their own different traditions, and a lot of them having nothing really do, to do with the birth of our Savior, Jesus. Um, They've have, well, let's see, what can we list here? Christmas parties, um, Christmas cookies, Christmas trees, um, Christmas, some Christmas songs, some Christmas movies, etc., etc. You get the idea. Now, let me say first and foremost, I don't think there's anything wrong with traditions. In fact, we have our own. Uh, our Christmas tree is already up and decorated, so there, yeah. And if tradition follows, we will undecorate it, take it down, and throw it in the backyard sometime around Valentine's Day. <laughs> hey, you got to get your money's worth, right? I mean, that, these, these trees are expensive. So, so those are our traditions. The problem is, the problem is when those traditions become the priority over what Christmas should really be about. Let me give you an example. It was 1984. Uh, four years earlier than my first story, and I was in a much different place uh, in my life. And it was Christmas Eve, and I was at my grandmother Shumsky's house, and um, I was very depressed. I was very depressed because I had made Christmas not about Jesus. Even though the story hadn't changed, it was still Luke chapter 2, that wasn't what Christmas was to me. Christmas to me was being with my girlfriend who I thought I was in love with. You see, I had been with a girl the previous year. We were in love. We had this really romantic Christmas and took pictures. And that, to me, was Christmas. But then we broke up during the year. And so that Christmas, I was by myself. And so because I didn't have her, I was sad, discouraged, depressed. And I went home, went over to my friend's house. And for the first time ever, I got drunk just to kind of um, numb the pain I guess you could say. Now, I know I'm not the only one who's gone through these kinds of experiences. I've heard a lot of stories, and I've read a lot of things. In fact, um, some of you might be familiar with the book Skipping Christmas by John Grisham. Anyone ever read that book? It, they've changed it into a movie called Christmas with the Cranks. Have you seen that movie? If they, if they haven't seen this movie, it's, it's quite interesting. Uh, basically, it's about a family that's made Christmas about all the wrong things. For them, Christmas is being with their only daughter. Christmas is having their Christmas Eve party, sending out their Christmas cards, having their Christmas tree, buying and giving Christmas presents, and sticking a huge, giant 
Frosty the snowman on top of their house like the rest of their neighbors. That's Christmas to them. But then their daughter Blair goes off to the Peace Corps. And now they're faced with dealing with Christmas without her. And it's so sad and depressing. And they find out exactly how much Christmas has been costing them. They decide they're going to skip Christmas and go on a cruise instead. Now, I'm not going to spoil the ending for you if you haven't seen the movie, but needless to say, skipping Christmas didn't work out for them. So, what I want to talk about tonight is simply this. When we don't make Luke chapter 2 the top priority of Christmas, we run into the danger of being depressed and discouraged and missing out all on all that God has for us this time of year. So for the next four weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on um, Luke chapter 2. We're going to make Christmas about the one thing that truly matters, about the birth of our Savior. It never changes. In your bulletin, you'll see that there's an, in, uh, an insert that has actually the entire Luke chapter 2 story printed in there. So you can follow on along there. You can follow on the screens. I'm going to read it to you. But this is going to be what we're going to focus on here. So let's start. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place where Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. Now while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. Now she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. All right. So tonight we're going to focus on verses 10 and 11. So let's look at those first. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now the first thing that sticks out to me is that phrase, Do not be 
afraid. Now, there's two meanings behind uh, this verse. The first one is obvious, right? I mean, you're a shepherd, you're out in a field, and an angel appears to you and starts talking. It's going to freak you out just a little bit. It would freak me out just a little bit. So the angel didn't want them to be scared. But there's a bigger meaning uh, going on here, not only for them, but I think for, for us today. The angel's saying, do not be afraid because the people at that time, the Israelites, uh, they were going through a difficult period in their history. They had not heard from God for 400 years. That was a long time. And they were under Roman rule. So they suffered persecution. So it was very difficult. And there was a lot of fear. And there was a lot of anxiety. Now, we're not under Roman persecution or Roman rule, but we here in America deal also with fear and anxiety. Lots of people deal with fear and anxiety. Some people are fearful and are anxious about death and disease and sickness. Some people are fearful because of natural disasters. We prayed for uh, the people in Alaska. They had that earthquake. And the people in Florida, in Florida, and people in California, they had the wildfires. People have anxiety and fear because of possible terrorist attacks and, and school shootings. And then, of course, there's our politics, which is just, for lack of a better word, insane, right? And that's enough to make you want to pop a Xanax. So um, there's a lot of things that make us fearful and anxious. So that's why we hear this good news coming from the angel. She says something very powerful. She says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Now, before we get to what this good news is of great joy, let's talk about this part for all people. You see, throughout the history of the world, um, us humans have had just a great reputation of ranking each other, right? Rich and poor and all in between. Smart and not so smart and all in between. Strong and weak and, and all in between. Popular and not popular and all in between. And we put ourselves in these groups and we treat people better than others. But not God. God sees us all equally. Loves us all equally. So it's so powerful that this amazing news that he is going to bring, he chooses to bring first to the shepherds. Because they're considered really low on the run of the ladder of life. The Orthodox Israelites looked way down on these shepherds. They considered them ceremonially unclean because, because of their job, they couldn't do all those hand washings they had to do. It was very meticulous stuff that they had to follow. Also, they were unclean because as shepherds, they did dealings with the Gentiles. Now check this out. Because they were unclean, they weren't allowed to worship in the temple. And here's the wilder thing. Because they were unclean, they were not allowed to give testimony in court. Because their witness was deemed unreliable. And that's who God went to first with this big news. Talk about leveling the playing field, right? So what's the good news? What's the good news? Well, the, the angel says, today, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now, folks, this is where we're going to land 
tonight. Because people, people all over the world want to be saved. They want to be saved from bad marriages. They want to be saved from bad debt. They want to be saved from bad people and other people's sins. But the truth is that what we really need to be saved from is our own sins. And it's that knowledge that Jesus Christ, our Savior, was born on Christmas Day that should fill us with joy regardless of our circumstances and traditions. Think about it for a moment. Take take it all away. Take the family away. Take the food away. Take the trees, the presents, the songs. Place yourself on a rock on December 25th and you still should have joy in your life because you know that the Savior of the world who saved you from hell was born on Christmas Day. Now, it may seem weird to say the words Christmas and hell in the same sentence. But I believe one of the reasons I think we put traditions ahead of Jesus is because we don't talk enough about hell. I don't know if you've ever been to Disney or ever been to one of those amusement parks where you get in those boats or those carts and you go on those rides, right? And you, and you go through tunnels and you see all these different exhibits. I think it'd be really cool if we could get in one of those boats or go on one of those rides and go through an exhibit. And if God would allow us to glimpse what heaven really looks like and glimpse what hell really looks like. I guarantee you, if we had that opportunity, we'd get off that ride when it was over and we would run straight to Jesus and Christmas would never be anything else except about him being the savior of the world. But we don't get that glimpse. But we do have, I believe, is a really powerful story. And I want to look at it. It's in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31, where I think Jesus does a great job of kind of giving us um, a glimpse in his word. It's a parable that he is teaching. It's Luke chapter 16. It's verses 19 to 31. Jesus says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. So there you go, right? There's the held in high esteem, held in low esteem. Pretty much detail, okay. Then it says, The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. So this, this poor man, this Lazarus, he's in heaven. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, or hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you receive your good things while Lazarus received bad things? But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this between us and you, a great chasm, has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will now also come to this place of torment. 
Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. And of course, Jesus is doing a little bit foreshadowing there about his death and his resurrection. So here's the good news, folks. We are saved from that agony because of the birth of Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Acts 4.12 tells us, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, and that name is Jesus. And then in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, Paul is quoting from Joel chapter 2, verse 32, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All right, let's move to our next steps. Let's put up a big word here. Go ahead in the next slide here. All right, now I'm about to do something that's not grammatically correct, so if you're a teacher, forgive me. But we're going to have a little fun here, and you'll understand its importance. Um, you know how you can understand words by breaking them down. Well, we're going to break Christmas down into two sections. Let's go to the next slide. There we go. We have Christ, which is obvious what that means, right? That's Jesus. And then you have mas, M-A-S. Now, if you've ever taken any amount of Spanish, you know that mas means what? More, right. So what is Christmas? It is more Christ. More of Jesus. And that's my encouragement to you this evening. That's our bottom line. Let's go to our bottom line. This is part of fill in the blanks that you can do. Our bottom line is this. Put more Christ in your Christmas and you'll experience joy regardless of your circumstances. Put more Christ in your Christmas and you'll experience joy regardless of your circumstances. Folks, this isn't just something I say. This is something I live. This is something I live. In 2001, uh, on Christmas Eve, I was in South Carolina experiencing the Snyder family Christmas when we got a phone call from my sister. Uh, my father had passed away. He had uh, battled Alzheimer's for quite some time, and he had been in a nursing home. He no longer knew who we were. It was hard, and it was sad, and on Christmas Eve, my father died. And when I heard the news, um, I asked my wife and my daughters if they could just give me just a little time. I didn't take a lot of time, but I just needed to process some things. Maybe, maybe it was an hour. I don't really remember. But then I got up, and I went to church, and we celebrated Christmas. And not because I didn't care about my dad, but because Christmas wasn't about being uh, with my dad. That was an important part at one time, but it wasn't the top priority. The top priority was Christmas was about the birth of a Savior. And here's the cool thing. I knew at that moment that because of that, because my dad trusted in Jesus, that he was home. And that was, I mean, that was something to celebrate. Would I ever spend another Christmas with him? Not on this side. But someday, when I die, I'm going home. Because of Jesus, the Savior of the world. So let's wrap this up. Um, I didn't come here tonight to bash any of your traditions. 
Uh, have a blast. Have a blast. Um, but make sure you put Jesus first. Um, especially if you're here tonight and you have children. It's so important that you teach them that. Put Jesus first. Now you're saying to yourself, well, how do, how do we do that? You know, they've got Elf on a shelf. Do we have to have Jesus on a shelf? No. Though you can't have a manger scene. That, that is kind of good, right? No, it, it's, it's just by just, you know, your words and your actions and your attitudes um, being intentional. Continually talking to your children, continually talking to your friends about what Christmas is really all about, right? Reminding yourself to take deep breaths, to spend every day talking to God, studying his word, to not get caught up too much in, in all the present buying and and all those different things and getting stressed out and getting depressed and getting discouraged if you didn't get what you want for, your Christ, for Christmas. I've, I've had that. I've had Christmases that bum me out because I didn't get what I wanted. Put more Christ in your Christmas. Be intentional. Maybe it's something you need to pray about. You know, call, go to God and say, God, help me make Christmas be about what you really want it to be about. Don't let circumstances, don't let traditions discourage you, make you want to skip Christmas. Let's stop here and, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, I thank you. Lord, we are so grateful that you loved us so much that you sent your son to be the savior of the world. Father, you, you knew that, that we would fall short. You knew that we would mess up. But you didn't give up on us. You sent your son to help us. You sent your son to save us. And so, Father, now we have this incredible holiday to remember, to pause, to celebrate. And if we're honest, sometimes we let it get hijacked by other things. There are many people in our world today, Lord, that don't know you, but they celebrate Christmas. And it's about so many things that have nothing to do with you. And they miss out. They miss out. They need a Savior. So Father, I pray for those who are here tonight that we will live our lives in a way that the world will see that. And that we'll have an opportunity to share the good news with other people that really don't know what Christmas is all about. And Father, whether it's memorizing Luke chapter 2, um, or maybe there's something else you want us to do, Father, help us to put more of you and Christmas, and make sure, Lord, help us to make sure that you are the priority. And uh, Father, we praise you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.